0: Welcome to another episode of Gimme Danger Radio. I'm your host, John Massel, and today's guest on the show is Rick McGuire, vocalist, multi instrumentalist, and main songwriter for the Boston based band Pile. Pile actually has a brand new record coming out on February 17th called All Fiction that's being put out by Exploding in Sound Records, and you can find the pre order link either by going over to Exploding in Sound Records or to pilemusic.com or probably on Pile's Bandcamp. Whatever way. decide to do i suggest you pre-order the record and support physical media and support the bands you can also add it uh, to your streaming or pre-save it to your whatever streaming service you use so when it does become available you'll have it right then and there but like i said i highly suggest you go buy the record i had a chance to listen to the record recently it's fantastic and i'm really excited for everyone else to hear it it's been cool to see the progression of pile since I first heard them, which is back in 2010, when they put out their record, Magic Isn't Real. I was in a band around that time, which is crazy to think it's 13 years ago. It's fucking insane. But 13 years ago, my old band played a few shows with Pyle out in Boston. Uh, and they were insanely great. Uh, and they continue to get great. The records that they put out, all of them are awesome. But it's nice to see this progression of the band. And this record is no different. It's really good. And like I said, I'm very excited for everyone to hear it. Uh, Kudos to Rick. Rick, if you're listening, you killed it. The record is great. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the band. Uh, They actually have some tour dates coming up in March. They're going over to Europe. But if you're obviously not in Europe, they are playing two shows on February 27th and 28th at the Philadelphia Mausoleum of Art. Uh, I'm assuming those are going to be record release shows seeing as how the record comes out the week prior. So if you are in that area, I highly suggest you go check that out. But before we get into my conversation with Rick, uh, where we talk about the five songs that are pivotal to his life, songs that helped shape either A, his songwriting, or B, just got him into playing music and becoming a fan of music, I just want to say if you can head over to wherever you subscribe to podcasts or listen to podcasts, whatever you do with podcasts, just go ahead and subscribe to the Gimme Danger Radio Show, uh, rate it, tell some people about it that you think might like it, that would really help me and it'll support the podcast out. Uh, you can also send me an email at GimmeDangerRadio at Yahoo. You can send me a message on Instagram by just following my uh, personal Instagram, which is John Massel. I do have a Twitter, like I mentioned every episode. Uh, I'm rarely on the thing, but if you want to send me a message, you can. Uh, I believe it's just my personal one. It's just John Massel. if you can find that. I think it's John Massel 666. I know real, real uh, inventive, real original there, but I'm on there. Send me some messages. Uh, I'll try to you know take some suggestions for who you want to interview who you'd like to see on the show etc like that uh i also have a couple uh feelers out for a couple episodes one with kent mcclard of Evolution. we're trying to nail down a date and one with jim rudland who's the author of the book corporate rock still sucks the story of sst again we're trying to nail out and uh, nail down a date for that as well okay i think i covered everything if not i'll cover it at the end of the show um, all the links for the pre-order for the new Pile record will be in the description of the episode, so you can just find that there. If you forget what I said, you can also rewind it too because it's not live. Whatever. Anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Rick McGuire of the band Pile right here on Gimme Danger Radio. So how you do it? Is it freezing cold there still? Where are you at first and foremost?
1: Uh, I am in Boston right now.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So is it was it pretty cold there the last few days?
1: It was. It was pretty brutal. I. <laughs> um, it's yeah. It's weird because the the winter has been pretty mild on the whole. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the past couple days have been like unbearably cold that sucks yeah it does but it's also i mean honestly a couple days it, it like it, it was one of those things where there's like a like a, an uncomfortable cold and then yeah it, it crosses over into yeah it's just like on another on another plane kind of thing <laughs> but it was uh it actually it, it was fine it was fine for a couple of days it was you know variety being the spice of life and all
0: very much very much true uh yeah i uh I was thinking about this when I got in touch with Ben, who we're mutual friends with, um, Mm -hmm. about doing this episode. Uh, I told him a long time ago, because he, when I first met him, he was like, yeah, I really like this band and I was like, oh, I was in this band a long time ago that played a show in Boston. Actually, we did a few shows with you guys and uh, Speedy Ortiz. And I think Grass is Green, too? It sounds about right. I was in this band called Shores.
1: Oh, okay. I was, you know, I was gonna add from Michigan, right?
0: Yep, yep. Yes. So, yeah, we
1: played Star Lab in Somerville. I yep. remember that
0: one. Yeah, and uh, I was like, yeah, we played shows together. I do I was like, I doubt he'll remember the band or anything like that. And he was like, and then when he got in touch with you to kind of facilitate this, he was like, I mentioned that you guys played together, but I was like, I couldn't remember. He was like, I couldn't remember what band it was. <laughs> yeah but yeah that would be that had to be like 13 years ago now had to be right? which is insane because you guys had just put out um or you, yeah you the first record had just come out magic is real magic is really? yeah 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 and i remember i bought that at that show at the show we played together and i had it forever and like I moved out here to Portland, met Ben and Ben's like, yeah, I'm really into this band called Pylon. I was like, Oh, I have, I have one of their records. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know they were still playing. He's like, Oh yeah, man, they they're putting out all these records. And then he got me, I like fell back in to checking, checking your stuff out. And I'm mm-hmm. excited about the new record, which comes out in like what, two, a week, week and a half.
1: Yeah. About a week and a half now, I guess. That's gotta be wild. Are you pretty excited about it? I am. I am. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm really, I'm very proud of the record. Um, I feel like it's very different for us as a band. Uh, I'm a bit exhausted with it too. Cause I'm, you know, mm-hmm. we sort of have, um, you know, it, it's, it's really just the band and our label. Like there's two, two guys at the label.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do, as far as the promo and rollout stuff, I'm really kind of doing as much of that as i can myself and it's just exhausting it's a weird world and trying to reconcile that with the one that i prefer to exist in which is like making stuff and yeah um trying to be creative and share that and hopefully have it connect with people oh
0: you froze on me hopefully you'll unfreeze here there you go okay um, okay yeah so you were saying you were saying the um the promotion of it's been kind of
1: daunting in a way it's just it's just it's just not it's just generally unpleasant um uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like i i i don't i feel like my um engagement with the internet and social media is a lot more uh, it's just a lot more. It's just a lot more than it would be if I didn't have yeah. to do, have to do this. But I, I hope that it ends up being for more than just like vanity. You know, like I hope that it ends up helping like get people to the shows or getting the record mm-hmm. to people who might not be, might not have heard it otherwise. And um, so, and also makes it easier for the band to sustain itself. Um, so that part of it i'm you know i've definitely given a lot of myself to that and i'm looking forward to transitioning into playing the shows and then yeah maybe writing like creating more like reading a fucking book i don't know
0: <laughs> i mean i feel like you're probably part of like the same you probably got i don't know how old you are i'm in, I'm gonna be 42 in march so i don't know around yeah, the same age i'm
1: 37 yeah so same okay
0: story. So like I'm I'm assuming when you started getting into music and playing shows and doing things like that obviously it was before social media so like the way that you promoted your band was pretty simple you made a flyer you hung that flyer or you put an ad in a zine and, or you know and you got a review in a zine and it was kind of like that's how you responded to people and I feel like you know I'm in two bands out here in Portland and we're all kind of older guys and it just feels, I don't know if you feel the same way I feel about how you have to promote your bands now via social media and all that. It just feels kind of like for lack of a better term, the (laughs) whorish in a weird way. It's, it's just goes, it goes against kind of like how I used to do things on like that DIY, like kind of punk level, you know, it just feels really awkward. And I could, maybe that's what it feels like for you.
1: I'm not. no definitely i think that there's a part of it that i um i don't want to say like i had a purist mentality but a lot of the bands that i was drawn to had uh, a perspective or i'd say one band i mean fugazi who's on that list just like Mm -hmm. has a perspective that i really admired and that i connected with which was and it was even outside of like the punk or any sort of scene oh yeah like you go to people like and that's what touring was it was like And that was also, I like that as an idea of how to build, you know, a following for your band. It's like, just show up at places. Like other people aren't going to tour around the country, trying to find bands that they like, you need to go to them and like try and find those pockets where people are excited about music and art and want to connect through that. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't um, it's different in that way. And I feel like that there are, there are still elements of that that exist through the phone, but there's a lot more shit to sift through. Uh-huh. And, um, I, you know, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about it to have it be still like an organic thing. and Or like have some, uh, I mean, I say organic, but it's still just like through somebody else's algorithm. But then at the same time, it's like I, I look back and be like, yeah, the idea of like just going to people sounds great. But if I'm really looking at it, honestly, it's like, I'm most of the money that's being paid to me is like going straight to oil companies. So it's like, you know, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's a a very difficult thing to sort of wrap my head around. But I'm trying to trying to understand it and figure out like new ways of connecting with people. Because on the other hand, Mm. it's really great that anybody anywhere can have access to your music like that, which was not for sure, not the case. I mean, it was like, I would say it like, um, in two thousand and ten, when we started touring just like the band camp part of things it was great. It's just like it's yeah. there, you know, so um, but anyways, yeah, and it, it is different, and I'm trying to adjust and figuring out whether or not I care to keep doing that, care to keep yeah, to the and way what, the world is changing,
0: and what I feel like kind of like with you know, it is great that you can get you know any kind of music at your, in instantly. Like if someone's like, hey, have you ever heard this band? And you're like, I have no idea that all you got to do is type it in. Boom, there you are. Mm-hmm. But with that, you know, amount of, you know, also there's just so much music coming out now. Like there's just so much. So like uh, your record will come out on s- the 17th of this month. And it's like, how do you, how do you, because it, it feels like the shelf life or the interest of a record is now shortened. Oh, do you yeah. Know what yeah. I mean, like. Fugazi since we were talking about them you know they put out the argument in 2001 which was kind of the beginning of you know uh, the file sharing or the Napster stuff or whatever but when that record came out I remember it being on the top of my mind for months because it was like this is and I listened to it constantly you know all that stuff but now I just feel like the way everything's so fast and so instant it's like a record comes out and it's like you're into it for like a good month but then something else comes along, and then another thing comes, and it's just like the sh- the shelf life of a new record is like short. But how then you yeah. got to think of like how do you keep that on top of people's minds for longer? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like people just digest information a lot more quickly, or they don't give it the same sort of. Um, yeah, it's just the, the the examination of a lot of different kind of art is just a mm-hmm. lot. It's just faster, just more stuff all the time.
0: Yeah. And it's hard because like I remember, you know, people at the end of the year, they're always like, What are your top 10 records of this year? And it's like, I don't even remember half the shit I listened to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For yeah. the year. So I just started now. I've done it to the point where I've like made uh like a little note folder on my phone and I will actually write down what I'm listening to and keep track of it. So mm. like that way I have like, okay, this is what I've listened to like last month i listened to it's wild i listened to 136 records oh damn so like i got them all written down and and now someone's like now you got to pull your top 10 of 2023 i can go back and just kind of look and see what i listened to that is from this year but Mm. it's true it's just like i'm excited about your record come out i'm really excited to hear it and i'm like i want to keep i want to digest it as much as i can and not get bombarded by something else and then forget about it you
1: know what i mean Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, same. I, I, I like with the, with working on those songs too, There's, there's some of them that I've had for a while. So I've been fortunate enough already to share the record with some people who have been like, man, I listened to it like four times in a row, which is like really all I could ever, even yeah. I could ever ask for, because it's like, I've worked on the songs so much that hopefully like I was able to listen to them a, way more times than that and still be <laughs> like, oh they're fine. They're good. I like yeah. them. And so hopefully that it has that kind of impact on other people, whether it's like, yeah, I could listen to this a bunch. Like I really enjoy this. I feel like it's it both is like pleasant to listen to. And yet each time I'm getting something uh, like something out of it. Yeah. Uh,
0: something new. You're pulling something new each time you listen to it.
1: Right. Yeah. So I mean I and I I know that I have no control over that. But um but yeah so being in that world for a little while and also the way that other people work with music who aren't making it yeah um yeah it's uh it's work for sure
0: (laughs) it totally is so like the the people that run exploding and sound from when i first met well we played that show together i'm sure we met at that show but it was so long ago Mm -hmm. um exploding and sound started as just a blog right and then it became a label
1: it did yeah
0: and it's is it run is it just you said it's just two people that run it
1: yeah well it's been it's been one guy dan golden for the whole time but there's someone that came in a few years ago and then they left and then um and ben Grig is the other guy who used to play in this band geronimo who was on the oh, yeah. oh yeah oh yeah yeah i remember geronimo so yeah, the, um it's those two guys running it, and um, yeah, they work really hard, and they put a lot of their hearts into the work. so
0: I was gonna say because I like it's it's they're doing a pretty good push for the record, which is great. That's yeah. all you can really ask for as a band, you know you get out if someone's putting out your record, you want them to actually promote it and work it yeah. mm-hmm. instead of just like, yeah, we'll put your record out and you're like, okay, what's going on with this thing, you know what I mean? Right. And it takes work on both sides because now you got to work in tandem together in this world of social media and whatever it may be, you know, whereas before, like I mentioned, it was like if you put a record out on, I don't know, for lack of a better term, discord. Yeah. Was no social media at that time or whatever. They would just put ads out. And obviously being on discord, it's fucking discord. So people are going to know it. (laughs) It's a thing. But like with the smaller labels, they'd have to do ads and you know promote and shit like that. But now it's like, okay. You both have to work together to do it,
1: for sure. For and sure,
0: uh, yeah. did you? You said that you had started writing most of this stuff a while ago. Did you start writing most of it during the pandemic,
1: during the lockdown? Uh, before that, before I mean, I, so in 2000. I mean, some of the songs are. I the ideas are pretty old. Um, I would say that the earliest one probably came from like 2016 oh wow um but then you know uh, 2017 we put out a record and it was the year after that that i had like i had a house to myself for like a month and i had like a writer's block and then it just when it when that block broke it was just like here's a whole album and um (laughs) And so I recorded, I like, I wrote it and recorded it myself. And granted, so it was like pretty, you know, it's like on Band. but I was experimenting with a bunch of stuff and like, it was still pretty raw. Like the, the ideas of songs were there, but like the lyrics needed, needed some touch-ups and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of that material ended up on this record because also around that time, two of the band members that had been in there it, for a long time left and we got two other members in. So I didn't want that record with two new members to be like, it sounds like a totally different band. I was like, all right, I wanna do something that's still aligned with what we've done that sort of expands upon those things. But I don't want it to be this material because it feels too dramatically different from what we've done in the past. Oh, I'm just gonna give some time to this this stuff and I'll, I'll work on it uh, when the time is right. Mm-hmm. And then over the pandemic, it was like, I do want to, have things sound different i want to work in this material so i just like i invested a lot of myself in just like how these songs were going to be presented and you know what kind of textures were going to be used to to present them and and things like that so there was yeah it it was a long process that i mostly really enjoyed but yeah i was very much invested in this record um so yeah, took a long time, but um, but ultimately, yeah, it's something that I can now look back on and be like, I'm I'm really proud of it. So it's great.
0: Uh, so the two the two guys. So there's are you a three piece
1: now? We are a three piece. Yeah. So we had two new people come in, mm-hmm. uh, and one of those guys left the band. So yeah, now it's just the three of us, and our setup is very different. Like our live set is going to be very different. Also, oh, yeah. Um, it's got. We have there, like, I have my guitar, a synthesizer, and like a foot pedal to control the synthesizer. There's a handful of songs I'm not even playing guitar. Oh, um, bass player has the same setup with like a synthesizer and a foot pedal to control it, and sometimes no bass, just synths. So little Getty Lee action there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, the thing is great. I've, I've used it for uh, solo shows. Oh, so, cool. I'll do like just like songs on finger picking guitar but being able to have like a bass note yeah it fills it out yeah
0: it fills it out and it just sounds like less I guess stark naked
1: if you will there's a you can apply a little bit more dynamic to what is happening than if it were just me on a guitar so are Uh, you guys
0: coming out west here I saw that you're doing a few dates on the east coast then you're going over to Europe
1: soon but are you coming out west we are we are um i think actually you know i might have the i think it's we're doing i mean hopefully <laughs> i can i'll just say it doesn't matter yeah we're gonna be announcing a tour in like two weeks and i think you know it's gonna do a uh a sh- we're doing a show at mississippi studios for sure Oh, right on if that goes well then i think we might be doing a second night there so
0: oh that's great yeah. that will be cool man and then when is that supposed to be do you know that,
1: I believe it is early October. Oh, wow. A little while from now, but cool. Yeah. I, I mean, The idea was kind of like put the record out and then sort of let it marinate for a little bit. Yeah. So I'm curious because normally we just like put it out and immediately go on tour. And a lot of people are like, yeah, like I'm excited to hear the new record. Like they just don't have enough time to actually listen to it. Because, again, mm. people just there's tons of shit coming out all the time. So, yeah. You're
0: bombarded
1: <laughs> um, right so hopefully giving it a little a little time to to just be out in the world will be helpful for that
0: that's cool how long did it take you guys to uh actually get everything down on tape and record it itself
1: um well we did like so what we did was we did a month uh just uh rehearsing and i you mm-hmm. know done, we alex and i the alex the bass player engineered a bunch of demos for me so like i de- he'd heard these songs so many times by the time we even got the chance to play them um but then once we were all together as a band we had a month and we recorded the record like twice um wow. just to like see what we wanted to do also so even though there's only 10 songs on the record yeah. we did 15 songs all together there's five that we're going to release at some other point um but so we did that and then we had a very clear idea what we we're going to do the studio Then we went to the studio and did like three and a half weeks there mm-hmm. took like a week or two off and or maybe no, you know it was more like a month off and then went back for like five days to be like to like anything that we wanted to touch up or redo or anything like that so um yeah it was it was extensive it was definitely the most extensive recording process I've ever been a part of See, that's
0: pretty nice, though, taking the time to, like, work on something and make sure that your vision is actually coming through. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, you know this, when you 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 used to go to the studios as, like, a poor dude or whatever, I don't know, like, when you first start, it's just like, all right, we're going to hammer out a record in two days.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's the way it had always been. And it would slowly, you know, depending on the resources, like, incrementally be a little bit more each mm-hmm. time. Yeah. and. Um, and then with the pandemic, honestly, the fact that I was getting unemployment, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. where that money went. Like it's um, so because of that, that period, it was like, yeah, let's I'm going to put this towards a record that that I really feel like I have the time and control over. So,
0: yeah, something that like is representative of what you have in your head.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cause I so. have this
0: I have this thing. Anytime I go record a record with bands that I'm in. We'll go and do the like quick recording thing, and I'll get the record back. And I'm always like, should have did that differently. Oh, I would have mm-hmm. been cool to do this part here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sure you always are going to think that at some points sure. with anything you do, but to be able to spend a lot of time like you just did on this new record to get as close to what's in your head, mm-hmm. that's got to be a great feeling. That's gotta it be is. Great.
1: It is, yeah. And I think it's part part of what has been so exhausting about the um but like trying to promote it it's like i feel so invested in this thing and feel so connected to it Mm -hmm. it, you know it feels weird because i don't i don't like having the um an idea of like entitlement to like people paying attention to what i'm doing never have just like there's so much there's always been so much music in the world like i absolutely understand people not connecting with what i'm doing or just It just not never reaching them, but, um, because I'm so invested in this one, it's like, I really want, you really
0: want people to check it out. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm excited about it, but, um, but with that comes. And also because no one else is really working on it the way that I am, it's Mm -hmm. difficult for me to separate myself. So, yeah.
0: So you've been, like you said, you've been doing a bunch of press for it. Um, And just like, yeah, just
1: promo and like content, snippet things and yeah yeah working on my boundaries with that in terms of just like i i don't i fucking don't want to do this sure (laughs) it might help and like it may end up like getting be like marginally helpful in reaching the end that i'm you know that i'm hoping to get to but ultimately like it's not worth investing this much of my time energy and 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 mental health into. So Yeah, I hear you. Well, this will be painless. This is no, easy. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like talking about the stuff. You know, yeah. I like actually doing doing interviews and talking about the things is, is like is is pretty nice. It's mostly just the, the administrative stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I got you here. We'll talk. We talked about the record a little bit. I'm sure we'll talk about more of it, but we're gonna talk a little bit about the songs that are pivotal. To your life, I guess Yeah, um, yeah what, what Songs that made you who you were Or songs that you really love Or songs that, you know, just like Kind of flipped a switch and you were like Oh, I could do that with recording, you know mm-hmm. And uh, since we were on the topic of it Of the, this band, we might as well just jump into this song First and foremost So we've got Fugazi's epic problem From their uh, album, The Argument mm-hmm. Now, my question to you is I'm a gigantic Fugazi fan Love them very much so and it's impossible for me to pick a favorite record it's one of those bands when people like what's your favorite record i'm like well it kind of just depends on the day (laughs) really um but i'm also the guy that's like if i really had to choose one i'd probably choose in on the kill taker okay probably because it's the first one i heard it's the one that i got into um now i ask you is the argument your favorite fugazi record
1: um it is i'd say it is tied with end hits and hits yeah that's a great uh, one too i the end hits was the first one that i heard okay and so at the time like there are within in coming up with this list i was trying to think of music that has both had a really big impact on me and i can still revisit and be like damn this is i can appreciate this for some other reason than the the one that initially got me
2: yeah.
1: into it. Um, and it's not the case with all the songs on this list, but, um, but that was one. So I heard end hits. And at that time I was into like, you know, like fat records and like no effects and shit <laughs> Yeah, like that. yeah that minor threat,
0: like, minor threat and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, even minor threat. It's like, I didn't really know much about that. It was like, I, and which, you know, get you in this list, but it's like, I was into like kind of, you know, kid stuff. But I was like, got into like Green Day and that led me to no effects. And then I was like, oh, punk stuff. Yeah. And then heard End Hits. And I was like, Fugazi was a name that was thrown around a ton. And I heard it and I was like, I do not get this. I, did, I'm not, I don't like this. I'm not connecting with it. Mm-hmm. And time passed. And I remember it was around the, like, file sharing time that, mm-hmm. like, it was, like, Bugazzi has a new album coming out. It's called uh, The Argument, and here's the song The Argument. And I listened to it a bunch, and I was like, oh, this is, like, a cool and weird song. And um, I ended up buying the CD, and I feel like that was the song Epic Problem that, like, that brought it all together for me. Okay, yeah because there's the end that's like really like the like chords that I really liked. And there was like mm-hmm. a really cool melody and the way that they went in and out of it, I thought was, it was awesome. So that because of that moment, it like it, it that was my entry point into that whole album and then also to end hits. And then, and since that point, those two albums are, are ones that I can, I can revisit and be like, man, some of the choices that they made on this are so strange and not, intuitive to me that it's like it's so um yeah the the choices that they made on the record i i i they're just weren't intuitive to they still aren't to me so i occasionally would like sit down with the guitar and try to like play what the parts are and then be like oh weird okay Mm -hmm. and then like try to break down how they were thinking about things but anyways it was just because of that song, that opened me up to a lot of things. And I'm still really connected to those albums. And that's also something that I I, I really uh, appreciate is just finding music that is has had an impact on me and that continues to have an impact on me over time. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I remember my story with Fugazi is kind of the same as yours. I was like, you know, so what? This was 94 or something. And i was into the green day and no effects and i was really into minor threat and i knew that you know minor threat had ian from his he was in this band called fugazi and my friend's older brother had in on the kill taker and i remember listening to it and doing the same thing that you did when you heard end hits i was like i don't get this i don't this isn't this isn't what i you know this is not punk you know i Yeah, I did not think that this is what because I always thought that punk was supposed to sound like Green Day and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I don't know how it finally clicked, I think it was I bought Red Medicine when it came out, which is Mm. the weirdest of all their records. Yeah, um, but honestly, I think Red them doing Red Medicine kind of like you know open them up to make end hits and the argument and things like that. It kind of like got them out of their shell in a way. Mm-hmm. But when I bought end hits, I was like, I still don't know if I like this band. Let me go listen back to it on the kill taker. And at this point I had heard, you know, born against and things like that. Not really like born against is in the same wheelhouse as Fugazi musically, but I started hearing weirder things mm-hmm. and then listen to In on the kill taker again. And it was like, it all clicked. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I got it. And then I listened to uh Red Medicine again and still wasn't really sure on that one. But when End Hits came out, right off the bat with Break, that's what like I was like, yes, this is great. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was kind of like I think that band needed to make Red Medicine for as weird and you know, not as you know, like the others pre previous. It led them to make end hits in the argument, which I think both of those records, even though I do love in on the Kill Taker as my favorite, I think their strongest records are end hits in the argument because it's a blend of everything that they've always wanted to do musically. I think, and they finally nailed it.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think that that's that's a pretty sound sound theory. I mean, I. I Red Medicine, like all the records before, I there are there are moments on them that I'm like, hell yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it was just those ones. Like the production is really um it stands alone. Like I just don't know any other records that sound like that. No. Um and yeah, the songwriting is interesting, the messaging is cool, the art is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. It's those those two really and yeah, Epic Problem was the one that just like, and yeah, I it, and then listening back, it's like, oh, okay. I'd start to see more because at that point, I just think of them as like, oh, there's this band that everyone really likes and I'm finding out about them this way. And then going backwards, it's like you start to see more of the scene that they come from. Yep. <laughs> like you can hear more of the like the punk part of things and where they're sort of like kind of clawing at the walls of the thing that like has been like you're you're a punk band and it's like they they are but they're they're not
0: yeah um and i thought that was what that's what's kind of cool about them is like i'm sure you've watched instrument as the documentary and like how joe lolly said that ian and him wanted to start a band that was like a combination of the mc5 and james brown yeah and i'm like or, or like you know like dub reggae and shit like that and they were both really into those things and i'm like oh i can see that and at the same time it's like they were still kids trying to do like the punk thing but after a while they were like we don't want to be a part of this especially once especially once you know nirvana broke and then that kind of the punk thing kind of came to the mainstream they were definitely like Fuck, we we got to get out of this
1: right definitely
0: <laughs> so they took they took that i think that's the kind of the thing is like and Yeah, End Hit, not End Hits, but In On The Kill Taker, to me, is their last, like, I guess, quote unquote, punk record, if you would say. And it was like after that, they were like, well, let's just do what we want to do and see what comes out. And now that they had, you know, people are buying, you know, End Hits sold like a 100,000 copies within like the first few months. It's like a ridiculous amount of money, uh, uh, copies were sold. So, of course, they have the money to spend time in the studio to really like... Let's just get weird with the shit, yeah yeah and it worked in their benefit it just it's kind of a bummer that they only got to really do three records like that yeah but I guess that's the nature of things
1: sure it's better than numb, you know
0: <laughs> it's true um on that note, uh let's play epic problem by Fugazi. was fugazi with Ekbeck problem um yeah so now i thought a good band to follow up with fugazi from your list and to me it just seems like the most obvious like segue would be the jesus Hmm. lizard (laughs) and uh the song mouth breather uh now oh i forgot to ask you when we were before we jumped into the fugazi song have you ever had a chance to see fugazi
1: no no it's a it's one of my regrets i was turning I think it was like my 18th birthday or something like mm-hmm. that playing in in Boston at uh, MIT and oh wow yeah I was like whatever like I would like to see them but I, they'll be back around
0: and they never came back around
1: they never came back around so so that
0: was the it was the argument tour then I'm assuming yeah
1: and they're doing two drummers and yeah,
0: yeah. it was good that was a good that was a good tour should have went yeah <laughs> Um, did you ever have a chance to see um the Jesus lizard? I did. I did. I've okay. seen them
1: a couple of times now. Um and yeah, they were great. They were great. I mean, granted, I saw them, I saw them on sort of their on their more recent victory lap tours. Yeah, still great. Yeah, still really great. I'm uh yeah, I was psyched, psyched to see them. I sort of I don't even know how I heard about them, but it was pretty later on for me. I was like 19 or 20. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it was like through shellac or through um, like through in utero, like just either of those. It was some, yeah, something about I think it was maybe I liked in utero a lot, I didn't like much other Nirvana. And, and you didn't like Nevermind. I didn't really I feel like oh. you know, I've listened to it since and been like oh I get I like I understand why everyone was into this I was also it can't you know I think I was just a little too young
2: mm-hmm.
1: um because it came out when I was six yeah. so I think I saw it <laughs> everywhere and I was like I don't know I mean I, I remember smell like teen spirit being like a big thing mm-hmm. but, um but yeah later on I listened back and was like, and also I think then listening to Nirvana when I was like 17 or 18 and in utero specifically, I was like, Oh, this is, there's like a bunch of noisy elements on this that I really like. And Oh yeah. But there's still some like cool pop songwriting. Um
0: I always thought of in utero's uh, as uh, Nirvana's attempt to make a Jesus lizard record.
1: Oh, for sure. And I feel like that's how I found out about the Jesus lizard. Yeah. That was, what's the deal with this? In utero record it was like oh we wanted to make a record that sounded like the Jesus Lizard and I was like who were they mm-hmm. so I think and also uh buddyhead I do remember that like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that website I um, mean
0: it's it's I have a I have a born against tattoo on my leg and it's the gun pointing back at the person shooting it yeah, And someone's yeah, yeah. like someone someone asked me they were like oh do you like the buddyhead website and I'm like I have no, I I don't know what that is <laughs> yeah yeah i was like this is a tattoo of a a band called born against but whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's some clip art
1: (laughs) it was it was a, a blog that was that was um around in the early 90s uh late 90s and they also they've since become like kind of a leftist meme page oh okay um i mean i'm familiar with it now i
0: i should probably look into it more and see what it's all about but i don't
1: know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they—I remember they said that like goat—that's the record—and so that was the one that I got, and um, and yeah, mouth breather was the one that just like yeah, as, as soon as I heard it, I remember it having uh, <laughs> an impact on me. So best
0: best rhythm section, I think, man. Oh, just, yeah, like, so incredible. Like as a drummer, Mac McNeely is one of my favorite drummers. Like yeah, he's, pro- he's up there in like the top five for sure. It's just like he doesn't do anything. Ridiculously flashy, but it's solid as hell. Yeah. And he's like on, he's like on time. He's a fucking metronome in his own. And then you put him with um Sims, and it's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So good. So good. Um, so is this? Would you say then Goat is your favorite Jesus
1: Lizard record? Um, I don't know. I mean, I do like Liar a lot. I feel like that there's there may be more songs on Liar that I... I definitely have listened to Goat the most. But then mm-hmm. I've listened to... I think more recently I've listened to Liar. i been like, man, this, this one's this one's fucking great. I think maybe it's also because I haven't spent as much time with that one. Yeah. And there are moments that I forget about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly. And then some of the earlier records, I just don't even really know all that well. It was just those, those two were the ones that I... have became obsessed with
0: i think those two well i guess you could put down in there as well i think those that run of those three are like Mm -hmm. their golden era if you will you know and then they signed to the major i don't know i was gonna say did you have you listened to any of the major label released ones
1: i think i heard some of it and i was like okay this sounds i think i saw like watch the music video uh and i was I am I think I made it at that time. I made a judgment <laughs> and that, and that was that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're good, but you can tell, I mean, they're really like, I don't know, like shots pretty good, but you can tell it's super clean pro- production and yeah. uh, it's not, it doesn't have that grit to it. Mm-hmm. And David Yao's vocals, like he started to become less uh feral is a good yeah. word to use sure, sure sure he started to become a little bit more reined in and then the last record blue it's good still like all their records are good but the last one blue it's just like he's his vocals are just it's not the same band it doesn't feel the same and also they don't have mac mcneely on drums on that record he's not right. in the band um so blue is like a weird one but shot is definitely worth your time if you ever have a chance to because there's some bass playing on that that's like unfucking believable all right just unreal shit that he's doing it's like dude how are you playing yeah (laughs) um but yeah have you i mean when uh when you saw them when you saw them were you pretty like still pretty
1: impressed by it Oh yeah, I mean yeah. they were I mean they were great when I so it was 2014 the first time I saw them and it was like one of the best shows I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um Yeah, they were great. I was really nervous too because I knew that they were on the road and I knew they hadn't played in a long time. So it was mm-hmm. like I hope that this isn't like embarrassingly bad, you know, like I really yeah. love records I hope that this isn't like yeah and if it were (laughs) to be that then it would be you know then whatever but um but yeah they were they were great they were really awesome and then the second time I saw them was in 2019
0: yeah that's I saw them then in 2009
1: okay so oh damn okay so they still would just like kind of tour every once in every like
0: well, it was weird because I think 2009 or 10. I can't remember when it was. It was around that time. Um, it was when Touch and Go had done the remastered reissues of uh, Goat Liar and Down. I think Head and Pure too. I can't remember. And then they toured for those. Um, but I also saw them in the in the you know past in the in the late 90s when they were still doing their thing. Um yeah. and that was fun. I didn't know what See I was much like you as like I was a big fan of Nirvana and I knew that Kirk Cobain was a big fan of Jesus Lizard so I was like I need to hear this band. I heard them wasn't sure if I liked it and then they were playing in my hometown and I went and saw them and I was like holy shit this band is insane. Cuz you, you know you've seen them David Yow's not on stage half the time. He's just like crawling through the crowd kind of drunk slurring his words and it just yeah. it's like a fucking chaotic mess essentially yeah. somehow held together by the these three other guys on stage that don't really look like they are like in a band with this guy you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely um, but it was cool yeah they they did 2009 or 10 or something like that as like a kind of go around for those reissues and then i was surprised when they came back around in 2019 like i was like what Cause they came out here to Portland. And I'm like, what? Really? They're still doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So part of me feels yeah. like maybe they'll go and do it again soon. I don't know.
1: I hope so. Honestly, I, I, I think, um, so in Nashville where I was living at the time and where I saw them, mm-hmm. they, that was where they, that was where they played their first show. And, um, how am I forgetting his name? Um, the guitarist of the band,
0: oh, um uh, Dwayne Dennison.
1: Dwayne Dennison. he works at a library in Nashville. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um, I remember I told my mom that because she lives, you know my 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 parents live down there, and I was like, I really want to go into that library and be like, just give him all of our records and be like, you have had such an impact. Mm -hmm. on my life and like like there's like you're all over these things. Yeah. Um and uh, you know, I just never really whatever the dude's working. I don't want to bother him. (laughs) Um and I think my mom went in my mom went in there once and um she she was like, is this the guy? Like didn't take a picture. She just like sent me a Wikipedia article and I was like yeah that's him. She's like he's very kind. I asked him for help (laughs) he helped me out And I texted her and I was like, oh, you should uh, you should ask him if we can play, if we could open up for them at their Nashville show. because we've been touring a bunch like if the timing actually would have worked yeah. out quickly. And she's like, do you want me to? And I was like, I'm just I'm messing around. Please don't. Please do not do that, mom. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> in retrospect, I, I, I regret it because I feel like that would have been the best way to open up for that band. It's just like if my mom had asked.
0: Yeah, uh, that would have been funny
1: it would have been because also the 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 band that opened up for them was uh soccer mommy
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: and um
0: i do seems like an odd pairing
1: (laughs) yeah i do feel like we would have been a better fit (laughs) yeah
0: yeah Um, i can agree with you there
1: (laughs) so i and i as the story goes it was like he uh because i got our i got my guitar set up by the same guy that uh Dwayne Dennison gets his guitar worked on and he was like went to him and was like hey what's a what's a band in Nashville that like people like and the guy was like well, I don't know soccer mommy and that's how that band <laughs> ended up opening up for them so I was like yeah my mom definitely should have asked should have <laughs> so
0: that's I feel it. like they kind of would have thought it was like kind of funny too. They would have, like, I feel like if your mom would have did that, and it actually worked out. They would have been up on stage. and were like, yeah, what do you guys think of Pyle, man? They were great. Guys, mom asked to open up for us. Yeah. That's how they got on this show.
1: Yeah, exactly. I felt like it would have been a good way to, um, uh, yeah, just a good way for it to happen. But alas, um, yeah, it didn't work out that way.
0: That's so funny. So you would, I would, I would you would say that Dwayne Dennison had a big impact on your guitar playing then, and how you yeah, approach playing yeah. guitar.
1: I would say, I would say each each member of that band has had an influence on how I think about and write music. Just like the the attitude, the like, mm. there's like, there's there's each one brings like a different thing there's like Dwayne Dennison. there's, there's clearly like, it's like, I mean, and I also heard this, so who knows how much the narrative plays a role in the like impact that it had on me, but like Dwayne Dennison's is like classically trained guitarist and yeah. yet he's playing this. So you hear this like discipline and there's also this dissonance and there's just like the, that juxtaposition of like, this is the music that I am very assuredly that I very assuredly choose to play, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Uh, and then there is, yeah, there's the rhythm section, which is just like, there's just it, the kind where when you see it, like you sort of, you feel it in your chest. Oh, 100%. Uh, but, you know, the bass and the drums. And then there's the attitude of David Yao, which is very like unhinged. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, that part of like that presentation too, because it's like some of the stuff is sung, some of it is just like growled and grunted <laughs> and some of it's just yelled. And that, that sort of expressiveness, I feel like um, in music, it's, there's a lot of heavy music that I feel like ends up sounding very like two note to me, where it's just like the speed is like, it's just like full force, like it's full force. It's just like we're yeah. screaming as loud as we can. And that's what it is or there's moments that are leading up to this like explosion of like us being as loud as we can be. And there's something about the way that he was doing it, where it was just like, there's this world happening around him and he is existing in it in his own way. So there's feels yeah. like a, like, and I, I don't know, as, as like an artistic personality, I I think that I really, I just really admire that.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's impressive. I mean, I've read, stories about how they recorded these records and most of the time he really didn't have lyrics Mm -hmm. he would just kind of like go in and what he said on the cuff would become what it is not all the time but a a good majority of the time and he would do his vocals he wouldn't do the thing where like you know they set up the vocal booth and they have the pop screen and blah 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 blah, and all that stuff Mm -hmm. they'd he'd go into the main live room or in Steve's Albini's house or wherever they were at the time. And he'd tape headphones to his head and they'd just hand him the microphone and he would just kind of do it like he would live. Yeah, that's how they got all that stuff, which I thought was so cool. So like when my, I had a band years, like 23 years ago, that was like a kind of a, I guess, power violence, hardcore band. And when we did the vocals, that's what we did with the singer we had two singers and so that's what we did we were just like go into the room here's the microphone we'll turn off the lights tape the headphones to your head and just go nuts yeah yeah (laughs) and it worked (laughs) out great it worked out great it works out great for that kind of music and this
1: and this song
0: do you know what this song's about
1: uh it's about uh, i know there's i mean i've read the lyrics uh and i also know about the the slint the guy from.
0: that's what it's about yeah it's about the drummer from slint
1: I see. Yeah, I knew it was a, a, a member of Slint. But also, there's something... Uh, if you Have you read the lyrics?
0: Mm, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, but I did. A long it's time like, ago. The, uh,
1: h- you know, him leaving his home in care of a friend and then finding, like, a body.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I've got to go back and read these. It's been a long time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I did something like that. I remember reading it being like, this is like, it's... Because a lot of it, I c- I couldn't understand what he's saying, and then reading it, <laughs> this is like way creepier.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like the, the I guess the chorus is a nod to Brit from Slint. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So that's the funny thing about it. But yeah, I gotta I gotta go back and read these lyrics because I had no idea about that. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. body thing—that's
1: wild. I think that I remember he said so there's something about like a smell coming from upstairs or something like that. And there's like <laughs> something like leaking through the floorboards. If I remember right. I oh,
0: well, that could be in, in reference. Because what it, what had happened, the story goes, is that uh, Brit from Slint, the drummer, was living in Chicago and he was house sitting for Steve. And he locked himself out of the house. And in order to get into the house, he went to a window that was open but the window had like a, a aquarium in front of it with Steve's fish. And he went in the window, knocked over the aquarium, you know, killing all the fish and, you know, obviously the water and whatever like that getting into the floorboards. Maybe that's where that line oh. comes from. But then when Steve was talking to David Yao on the phone, because they were all three of them were working on building electrical audio, what it is now. So yeah, this yeah. is, they were still recording on of Steve's house but i guess on the phone that's when the line like i like him just fine he's a nice guy but he's a mouth breather that's where that hall came because of that whole situation so i guess that could explain the water line yeah yeah
1: yeah that's probably yeah more of what it is
0: it's pretty funny though um on that note let's check out mouth breather by the jesus lizard That was the Jesus Lizard with Mouth Breather? Uh and now, up next on the list of songs that are pretty important to you, uh, Radiohead's Idiotech from their Kid A album. Now, yeah. I don't know about you. Um, when this record first came out, I was working at a record store. We got the promo, we listened to it, and I remember everyone the night that we first listened to it were fucking pissed off because it did not sound like Radiohead, you know? we're yeah, all like, yeah. pretty upset. Now, when you first heard kid a were you like an instant like oh yeah this is great um or did it take time
1: so i heard i think the order that it went in for me as far as albums um i'm not i'm not 100 i think that i i think that the first one that i heard was the bends and i, was I like, love the, that record i was I like this is cool song. yeah yeah and then i heard okay computer and i was like oh yeah this is great And then I heard Amnesiac. Oh, okay. I was like, "Oh, this is this is awesome and weird." And then after that, I heard Kid A, and I thought, and I thought I was like, "Oh, Kid A, this is this is really good too." So, and it was all when I was like in high school. So it was all around like 2000. I think Amnesiac. I think because it was the two albums in one year, I bought Amnesiac, and I was like, "Oh, this," but I hadn't heard Kid A. and but yeah there was just something about all of those records that i liked and i knew that there was like a difference between like amnesiac and kid a from those those two other records but Mm -hmm. uh, and i was really drawn to those two records i was like there's something really cool about these songs and um and they all sound like rock songs to me but there's like the way that they're placed and like the the space that they live in is very different from yeah all of these other ones.
0: That's a great way to put it. That's a great um, way to put
1: it. <laughs> and I, I think that I liked that music and I was, I was into it. I also around that time was into just like a bunch of guitar music. I liked, mm. like, you know, Soundgarden and I was just starting to get into like Fugazi and things like that. And so as time went on and I was starting to play more music, the thing that really, um, that I was I was drawn to more guitar stuff because that's just what I had yeah and I was like I feel like I could see myself playing these kinds of music or like there's something about this this band that I really like or there's like a lot of things I like about this band that I like and some stuff that that I don't like that I don't want to do so I was able to like apply some of that mm-hmm. those. Radiohead Records, beyond just like the melodies and like certain subject matter, I couldn't really apply that to my own creation of things like there was there were things that I liked about them, but I had no frame of reference like I don't know how they're getting that like that pinging sound at the beginning of um, amnesiac I don't know like I don't have access to a horn section like it's. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it just never really occurred to me like how those records were being made. I still liked them. I still enjoyed them, mm-hmm. but it wasn't every, anything that I was really gravitating towards because I didn't feel like that they were in direct service to what I was cre- creating. And I had, when I had absorbed them when I was young, it was like that was the per that I, I just liked them. I enjoyed them. I just fucking got high to them. And, yeah. that, <laughs> and that was like the function that they served. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, as far as Idiotech is concerned, that song was a, a song that I first heard and I was like, this is a genre of music that I do not like. And <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I was just like, I had an association with like techno or yep. whatever. And, um, but I thought that the chords were beautiful. I thought that they were really amazing. And uh, it's like, it's too bad that it doesn't have like a normal drum beat. with, And then it's, it's you know it's sort of transformed over the years years later i listened to kid a specifically and be like and was just like damn this this record this is still exists in its own space and i don't think i've heard a record that does that the same way and not only that but like i love that yeah. the beat to this song is the way it is it has this mm-hmm. really serene chord but it's like this high energy drum beat and not only that and this shit kind of blew my mind Um, more recently, which is what sort of speaks to certain songs having an impact both over like, um, upon me first encountering them and to like the staying power of them, Mm -hmm. or just like finding new things out about them. The chords in um, in Idiotech uh, are the same four notes. They're the same four notes that are just in different inversions of each other. So while really? they, yeah. So while they sound like very like different chords, and they are, they're they are different chords in that they're different inversions. But it's the same yeah. like E flat, G, like um, uh, B flat, and so it's so something else. But it's this, those mm-hmm. same four notes just arranged in different ways, like one octave lower, and then one goes like so that, and they kind of get wider as like you can kind of hear it like going up each time and then the last yeah. one like this really warm and it just and and also to find out that that whole that phrase is just lifted from an electronic uh music composer mm-hmm. that they, they made and then we're like oh shit, is it cool if we use this and they're like yeah it's like it's like <laughs> a three second clip and this this big composition but uh and then learning about how they wrote that song which is like we were just having two things going on at once and sifting through like hours of music to then find this one specific moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then i feel like that there's just a lot of, of <laughs> life that's like that in some ways where it's a hundred percent you're just waiting through uh a sea of bullshit to get this like one fucking dime. three
0: second thing yeah
1: yeah that like crystallizes everything mm-hmm. around it be like oh it was worth it doing all this so I don't know not to get too, uh to to like inflate the meaning of that song too much for me but I feel like it has had an impact both on just like and my approach to songwriting too where I've just you know I've we try to do like inversion of form in terms of like well everything is like verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus whatever yeah and that is like it defies that it's like it's I it's un, an understanding of like songwriting and how songs like have worked historically but just totally an abstraction of that by like we have this moment how can we turn this into a thought like a full fully formed idea
0: yeah so it's my favorite it's uh, like i was gonna say like when i like i was saying at the top of this i when i first heard this kid a i because i liked okay computer i actually saw radiohead on that tour and i really liked it really liked that record really liked the brit the bends um so when this record came out i did not like i was just like i'm not sure if i like this but it was weird much like i did with fugazi and everything I didn't like it, but for some reason, I kept listening to it. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? And I, do, then, I do. and I remember telling a friend that and he was like, well, that means you like the record. And I was like, I, well, I don't know how I feel about it. And it was this song, specifically Idiotech, that sucked me into the record. Because Identic... I think this song is the best song on the like. It's just something about... I don't know how to because like you, just like you said, I was never a guy that was really into techno wasn't my thing. And I thought that this was a techno song and I'm like, why are they doing a techno song? Like what's going on? But I kept like, this is the song that drew me into it. And I think it has to do with like, you know, that three second snippet that we were talking about and also his vocal approach, Mm -hmm. the chorus to the song, which there really isn't a chorus. I don't know what it is. It's just, I mean, there is, but it's, I don't know like the uh, the hook i guess we'd call it um where he goes really high with his vocals Mm -hmm. it's just such a great song and it sucked me in and then i started revisiting the record more and i kept pulling weird things out and then i started and this is the record i think for me i used to pay attention to production and when i thought of production was just like how the record sounded you know, like mm-hmm. how the drum sound. That's production. It's not. That's engineering, you dummy. Mm-hmm. This was the record that made me start thinking about production. Like listening for like, why is this piano part so faintly in the background? But why mm-hmm. does it work so well? Why does it create an atmosphere? This is that record for
1: me. Yeah. That makes yeah, I'm, that makes sense. And I absolutely that that idea resonates with me a lot of like hearing music that you don't fully either like fully understand or it doesn't exactly connect with you right away but somehow you're still drawn to it is like that is the, I yes. feel like now it's like the music that i'm looking for it's like exactly if, if i can because there's even some music that it's like i don't connect with but i still like i feel like it's like i don't know what notes you're playing but like i don't really care to find out you know like <laughs> yeah that i am just i'm not interested yeah. like i get i get that i don't get it and that's fine and that but when there's like some sort of like I'm still curious like where are you even coming from with making this kind of music yeah um it's a really that's a um I feel like then is when there there's like something exciting is gonna happen
0: yeah and it was weird we I uh, uh I'll say this before we jump into the song here um if you want to add anything else but like uh we had band practice this new band I'm in, on Thursday and we were talking about Kid A and they were just we were all kind of like or my other band members were kind of like i don't even know how they went from like you could kind of see the progression from okay computer to this but somewhere in between they're like how did they get from that to that to kid a so how do you get from that to that and like what was the inspiration that made them make kid a and i was like actually i watched that documentary meeting people is easy Hmm. and they were like um They were talking about it, like some um, interviewer was like, how did you get the idea to, you know, start writing or no, maybe it was something else. It wasn't that documentary, Um, but they were like, how'd you get the idea to start writing today? And like, I think it was Tom York or Johnny Greenwood were like, actually, it all started with the Smith strange ways. Here we come. And they're like, that makes no sense. And he was like, well, (laughs) it started. He was like, it started there, but then it just kind of ballooned from that. Sure. Like, Interesting. That's yeah. fucking interesting.
1: <laughs> I know. I became kind of obsessed with that album during the pandemic because I was also curious how they got to where, and then just started like obviously like Aphex Twin played a yep. huge role in that, and just like a lot of the electronic stuff in the UK that was happening at the
0: time. yeah the the Manchester the Manchester scene or whatever you want to call it, the Factory record scene.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know It's still, even with all of those things in it It was still just like, wow, it's such a huge jump Yeah, Uh, massive So yeah, I can I I hear you on that
0: But I mean, the risk obviously paid off for them It became, it was, I think it was like, again Like Fugazi doing what they did To get to end hits and, you know, the argument Doing Red Medicine, something out of the wheelhouse They, I feel like Radiohead had had to do this record they had to do it and it's good that they did because i mean it's looking at it now it's their best record i think
1: i I agree it really is i do feel i feel the same way
0: and on that note let's check out idiotech from kid a by radiohead That was Radiohead with Idiotech uh, from their LP Kid A. And now, keeping in uh theme of the English musicians, let's talk about the uh, next one on your list The Beatles with the song I Am the Walrus from their fucking maniacally just the weirdest fucking record they did. <laughs> Magical Mystery Tour. I don't know if you've ever tried to watch the movie itself.
1: Uh, I have not. I have not. Not good. Not, good. <laughs> <laughs> not worth your time. Fair enough.
0: I tried. I tried. I was like, well, maybe if I get a little stone and I'll, I like watch Magical Mystery Tour, I'll like understand because I watched it when I was a kid because I'm assuming much like you are much like me, the Beatles for you was your children's music.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. think that there was a lot of music that I heard as a kid that I didn't really care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it was the blue uh greatest hits or the the red greatest greatest hits i think it was the red one of the like because it has them like in the stair or, like,
0: yeah
1: or something and they're looking down
0: i think the red one's the later one the blue one's the early stuff red okay. one's the later then,
1: one yeah then yeah it was the it was the red one i remember that my folks had that tape and uh i remember listening to it and you know thinking it was a fun song and a lot of a lot i mean the early beatles stuff i just i And I've come to really like it, It's, Mm -hmm. but I I didn't care about it as a kid. Um, And that song in particular, I just felt like it had a lot of personality and it was uh, fun. And as time has gone on, not only have I uh, like continued to enjoy that song, like some of them I could be like, oh, you know, Paul's doing his thing and like, (laughs) you know, um. like fool on the hill or whatever yeah you know i like that song too um but that one in particular just some of the production choices are wild um (laughs) very much the strings on it are really satisfying and the chords are so weird Mm -hmm. Um, and i just like also the delivery of the vocals which are like there's like this weird sort of like aggression, like a, a confident aggression that honestly I feel like I can only feel, and I have not thought about this, but the only thing I can compare it to right now is like what I ended up hearing from like Oasis, like that kind of delivery of vocals where you're just yeah. like yelling a melody and it's just like, I'm just doing this. Yeah, and we're, But the shit that he's saying is absolute nonsense and it's <laughs> awesome. It's great. Yeah. It's so um I think that there's something really special about having that kind of conviction about just being like a bit out of your skull yeah uh and I think that you know so even like as a like as an adult listening to it I'm just like man I still really love this song for reasons that I feel like are it's both like intellectually satisfying and just like just as a listener just like kind of like letting it wash over me like the end of the song all the weird like sound sampling and things like that um so yeah i i'm and i really am i'm grateful for music like that that i can have like a connection to as a kid it's like almost when you're able to look back at your younger self there's so much about your younger self that you're like oh you were just an ignorant kid yeah to have those strings to be like, yeah, you know what? I got
0: one thing right. I got right. one <laughs> yeah. thing right. Yeah.
1: Or like you, you have like a connection to yourself. Yeah. And that's, I feel like there's, it's so easy to not have compassion for your younger self mm-hmm. and to find like connections like that to be like, you know, I don't know to feel like you're the same person because in a lot of ways I don't feel like the same person.
0: No, yeah, um, you, you shouldn't. I mean, if you felt like the same person when you were when you were six years old, that's a little strange.
1: <laughs> that's exactly yeah, fair <laughs> it's enough. A little, fair enough.
0: A, little, a little strange, but yeah, I remember like the the thing about this song that's it's it's interesting or most Beatle, later Beatles stuff. The early stuff is like you know fifties pop, sixties pop music, which is to me that's like I did I wasn't raised listening to like the traditional like kids music like the kids tapes or whatever like raffi or anything like that or whatever the fuck was before Mm raffi my dad listened to the beatles and aerosmith and acdc and led zeppelin that was what i grew up with but the beatles stuck with me because those songs are so i don't want to use the word juvenile but they are because there's really well written crafted fucking pop songs they're like Mm -hmm. incredibly well crafted but they are like innocent and juvenile in their in their way even their later years stuff like this where it's like you said the lyrics are super fucking nonsensical and they're trying to be like trippy and of the time and psychedelic but as a kid when you hear that it's funny to you as a kid so you attach to it because it's hilarious why is he talking about sitting on a cornflake yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. as a little kid you're like that's so funny you're sitting on a cornflake waiting for the van to come like what the f-? you know all this stuff like that and This song in particular, you brought up Oasis, who have covered this numerous times and have always said, like, you know, the Beatles are the greatest band in the world and they love them. And then again, you mentioned um, the vocals kind of being like Oasis, you know, like and the big comparison when they started was like Liam sounds like a combination of John Lennon. Mm -hmm. and johnny rotten who were two people that i liked when i was a teenager when oasis broke i was like i love the sex pistols and i love the beatles i'm gonna love this band um but you know it's definitely you know oasis covered this a ton of times and that's how i got into this song because like i'd known the beatles forever and i didn't really pay attention to magical mystery tour because it was fucking goofy (laughs) honestly and then it was oasis covering it and being like um you know here's i am the walrus by the beatles blah blah blah. and i'm like oh man this song's great and then the anthology came out and then i saw the video footage from the movie of this song and i was like oh this is my favorite song now (laughs) it just became my favorite beatles song and yeah i mean i would say it's up there still it's probably not my favorite, but it's close. I mean, I'm, I would assume this is your favorite Beatles song, or is it just one that's important to your progression as a musician? A I person? would
1: say more the latter, because I feel like with a, a favorite song, it's um, it's it it is like a, you know same thing with like the Fugazi album. It just depends. Yeah, because sometimes like Eleanor Rigby is yeah. you know just like those strings are crazy those are the it's it's cool that, that 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 band decided to do that and it fits so well on that record even though no other song on that album is just strings
0: yeah um,
1: so yeah i don't know it 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 does vary but i think that that one is as far as like uh checking off boxes i feel like i am the walrus does it 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 checks off a lot of them
0: yeah, it's a great one. Um, before we play the song, I'm going to ask you one thing because I notice a lot of people do this, especially yeah. people that are around our ages, um, maybe even a little younger. They they always say they hate the Beatles, mm-hmm. and I think that's complete bullshit. <laughs> I, I I I think it's some edge lord bullshit. I just I think you're just trying to be edgy to be edgy because there's no way I guarantee you if you're out and a Beatles song is playing, you're going to sing along to it, and you're going to be like the person that said that they hated the Beatles is going to be singing it, and you're going to be like.
1: You're full of shit you know i have <laughs> thought about this a lot because i've i've i have also known people who have been like i hate the beatles and i think that there is i think that there's more validity to their feeling than i than i used to to give yeah. give credit uh because if you did not grow up with that music and oh, yet it's true. been like shoved down your throat so many times of people being like, I don't believe you don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> Understand having a reaction to go from being ambivalent to this type of music to being like, I just want this shit out of my fucking face. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I get I, um, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so I'm I'm feeling a little bit more sympathetic to that, to that sentiment than I used to. But yeah, I still feel very deeply connected to that music. And I, I you know, I I basically I'll take like you know, five-year breaks from thinking about them as a band and then i'll be like oh my god this band is great and just like go through all the records and just same sing along to all of them you know same here
0: yeah um on that note let's play it i'm the walrus by the beatles Right, that was the beatles with i am the walrus up next is a big one for me as well this was huge i remember seeing the uh world or not world premiere but the uh yeah the world premiere of this music video on 120 minutes and it was like i was obsessed i was already obsessed with this record mm. but this just kind of pushed it over the edge seeing the music video and mm. that music video and song would be say it ain't so by the band weezer uh it's number five on your list uh This, I don't know about you, but the assuming you've seen the music video a ton. I have.
1: Not a ton, not a ton. It was actually much later that I saw the music video, but I still thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, dude, it's the
0: best. They're in their practice space in that garage and there's the person doing the laundry. It's like, it made it, the thing that made, because like when Weezer first came out and they did the Undone video and the Buddy Holly video they felt like a rock band, like a big MTV rock band, like untouchable, not really kind of human, you know? But then you see the Say It Ain't So video and they turned out like it made it feel like it was just like me and my friends playing in my parents' basement and someone's, my mom's doing the laundry while we're playing, you know? And (laughs) no one cares. No one's like, the person in the music video is like pulling the laundry out of the laundry thing and they're not like rocking out to them. They're just like, oh, great, they're practicing again. (laughs) You know what I mean? It just made it feel like so fucking like close to home. In yeah, way.
1: yeah, very real. Yeah.
0: So what? Uh, what about out of all the songs on the Blue record, which mm-hmm. every single song on that record is a fucking hit. Yeah. every single one of them. Mm-hmm. What is it about this one that sticks um, out?
1: So my, it, it was like uh, when I was nine. Before, like up to this point, when I was nine years old, I just did not care about music in a way, like, you know, my parents listened to the Beatles and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is nice. But again, being around nine years old, most of what I heard was like either, you know, what was on the radio at that time or like children's music. Yeah. So, um and the stuff that was on the radio was like what my mom was choosing to listen to on the radio, you know? So it wasn't <laughs> like, it wasn't like modern rock radio or anything like that. It was Amy Grant and shit like that. What's that?
0: <laughs> Amy Grant yeah. and shit like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. a- 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 Amy Grant is actually the first person that comes to mind. Yep, I <laughs> might have even owned that tape. But um, yeah, I I didn't feel like um, I was just like the way that I thought about music was like it's just too much to keep up with. Like I don't really I don't really care. That was how I thought about it as a child. It was like it's too much to keep up with. Yeah. And my cousin uh, Becky Bishop gave me a tape that had all of the Blue album and three songs from Dookie on one side. And then on the other side was the like Hootie and the Blowfish record. <laughs> Oh, um weird. all
0: three massive records of 1994, are just massive right. records.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I, I didn't really care about. The, I mean, I listened to the Hooting the Blowfish one, but I really was just like waiting to get through that so I could get to back to the other <laughs> side. Yeah. Um, and it's you know no 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 disrespect to that band, and I'm not trying to be too cool. It just is my nine year old self. Like it did not, I, I did not connect with it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I. I, I, something about that song was just like, and maybe it was just the placement on the record or I also feel like, and there's a lot of moments on the blue album where there is feedback is used in a really cool way. Yeah. Um, and I just, I was, that was what got me into like, Oh, fucking guitars. Guitars are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, through hearing, cause I, my dad listened to like classic rock. He like, he loves the Eagles and like BTO and stuff like that. So yeah. Um. Yeah, I heard guitars, but the way that these ones were being played and also just like the attitude, I don't know what it was, but it was like I was I was into it. And that song, I thought the melodies were really cool. I don't know, like being nine, and just I also think that maybe my older cousin and older sister were like, Yeah, that's the song. Yeah. So it was like that was also being reinforced, maybe. Um, but it was like everyone agreed, everyone agreed that like this song <laughs> was great. Um, and so I don't know. I think I have some really good memories with it and then I just got in and <laughs> proceeded <laughs> into like junior high where it was like literally any band that existed <laughs> in junior high was like oh we have to cover this song.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Um, so that was like and you know, fortunately Fortunately, I don't remember how those sounded because I know it was bad, <laughs> um, but it's also really funny to think about because, I mean, I, I, I feel like that album because I, it's, I have such a, uh, like a special place in my heart because of, like where, uh, just like how I came across it when I was younger, like I'll listen to it every once in a while, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, It's just, I don't know. I'm sort of making the connection right now. You ever like listen to music and you feel so moved by it that you want to make music like that and you just try to chase that feeling?
0: A 100%. This was one of those records for me when I was a teenager because I started playing drums when this record came out and this taught me how to play drums. Yeah. I mean, it just did. Because he doesn't do anything crazy flashy. He just plays a solid beat he does throw a cool snare fill in here. Like the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's not a hard fill to do. Super fucking awesome though. And it works yeah. so well. Just same thing with the fucking. The squeals. Yeah. Yeah. Like easy, but makes the fucking song.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And same with like the feedback lead ins. That's like, yeah, it still even gives me chills just to think about it. But it's weird because I've, you know thinking about like covers and then uh the actual recording itself i remember thinking about the recording and being like oh man that is like that's the that's like the the fucking thing yeah that is the song it's the recording and I, and listening back to the recording recently it's like i think maybe because i've like dedicated my life towards like like an extension or like a sub-genre of like that kind of music
2: mm-hmm.
1: that things that i was really mystified by growing up i listen back to it and i'm like oh, i know what they're doing
0: yeah yeah you find so, out I mean, like as you get older and you actually if you are making music and doing it you're seeing the man behind the curtain yeah I
1: put it you know and i also just like um you know sort of a the like the lyrics too like i had no idea what they were saying not mm-hmm. even like i don't even necessarily mean understanding the context of the like what they i just couldn't understand it so like my the way that i hear those words is like absolute nonsense but i know each one of them
0: yeah yeah i know what you're saying yeah
1: yeah um um i think it was like i think it was like i thought it was like ice bots uh is uh my cold old boys or something <laughs> 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 that was ridiculous but that's the way i heard it but i was just like listening on a yeah. tape as like a nine-year-old but um anyways yeah so i guess i just i have a, a special place for that one so yeah. as far as just the the feeling of excitement and inspiration towards like i want to do that i want to like play music
3: mm-hmm.
1: that and and you know, while there's the the other songs have like shaped more like refined ways I've listened to music, that was really like the, 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 um, uh, that lit the match for me.
0: Yeah. It was like your catalyst of like, I want to do that.
1: Yeah. It would, I I went from like, I don't really care about music. It's too much to keep up with to now this is all I care about. <laughs> this is all I care about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> I mean, that happened to me. Like, I mean, Nirvana is what, you know, seeing the teen spirit video is made me want to play drums. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, hearing green day, was like, Oh man, maybe I should really learn how to play them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not just bash around on them, but really learn. And then hearing jawbreaker was like, that was the band to me. That was like, okay, I need to start a band now. This is, I want to do. And then same with Weezer though. Like those songs, it just makes you it made the, all those bands to me, especially in that time period, just made it feel tangible to do it. Like, you know, all the all those dudes, you know, in the early 80s, you know, like we heard the Ramones and we were like, oh, I guess we could do this. Yeah. yeah. That was what it was for like our, our people our age like hearing those bands that, you know, it was like, oh, it's not motley crew it's not you know having to play like finger tap fucking leads and like yeah have 85 cymbals and three bass drums you know what i mean it's just like you could have a ringo star kit and just a strat and a piece of shit amp and do that
1: yeah yeah most yeah. definitely
0: um well before we play say it ain't so uh let's tell everyone out there where they can find a little bit more information about pile uh, the tours the record coming out um you know all that I'll, I'll give you the floor to you to promote yourself shamelessly
1: sure. sure sure yeah I think honestly it's very difficult to even uh pick because I, I would I would just say we'll put pile band in a google search <laughs> and I'm sure that everything you need yeah. to know <laughs> If you prefer Instagram, we're on there. If you prefer Twitter, we're on there. If you just want to go see a band's website, we have that. Uh, my preferred way of communicating with people that have any interest in what I'm doing is through a newsletter, which you can sign up for on our website. I feel like it's nice because I could do a little bit more long form stuff. And it's a little bit more personal than just like uh, farting into the wind, which is what social <laughs> yeah. media feels like. It's true. Um, so that that's that's what I would say. We have a record called All Fiction that's coming out on February 17th and very excited to share it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited to hear the record. Uh, the three songs that are available to stream right now are all great. So I'm assuming the rest of the record is going to be good, too. Thanks, It man. better be. Yeah it better I'll be I'll
1: send you a private link yeah
0: yeah do it man that'll be great I would love I'm, I'm very curious to hear the rest of it I'm excited for it right on and I appreciate you coming on the show it was a lot of fun talking Um. thanks again Rick have a great I guess it's evening where you are
1: yeah yeah thanks man appreciate that
0: yeah so have a good one man thank you so much
1: thank you dude yeah.
0: there you have it. That was my interview with Rick McGuire of the band Pile. If you head over to pilemusic.com, like Rick said at the end of his interview portion, you could subscribe to that newsletter. You can also pre-order your copy of All Fiction, which comes out in about a week. Uh, you can also pre-save it to whatever streaming service you use. I highly suggest you do that. Whatever way you decide to get the record, you should get it. But I really, really want you to pre-order the record and support the band, because they're really great people. Uh, they, they work really hard and they're just a great band. So support pile, go pre-order that record, go pre-save it. Uh, and also, if you can take the time out, subscribe to the podcast that you just listened to, rate it, tell someone about it that you think might like it, help support this and get the word out. That would be really sweet. I'm not sure if I have anything scheduled for next week. Like I said at the top of the show, I'm working on getting uh, an episode put together with Kent McClard of Abolition Records, as well as one with Jim Rudland, the author who wrote Corporate Rock Still Sucks, the story of SST. We're still trying to work out the uh, ins and outs of that. So hopefully both of those will get scheduled soon. Maybe next weekend I'll do the interview and I'll have it for you next week. Who knows? Also working on setting up some time to talk with my buddy Ty Vaughn, who's the vocalist of the band Broadway Calls. We're going to do a really fun episode focusing on a specific band we both grew up really, really liking. That should be fun, but we're still in the midst of trying to get that scheduled as well. Anyway, thanks for checking out the podcast. I hope you had a great time listening to it. We'll see you soon. Be safe. Actually, you know what? I don't know if you need to be safe. You do your life. You live. You do you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.